to the Matrix Unveiled School of Mysticism. Welcome back to the live event on activating the Sophionic intelligence and the New Earth dream. So this is going to be quite a powerful lecture that I'm going to be talking to you about the fallen goddess scenario and really understanding the truth behind Sophia, the, the, the Gnostic wisdom, the truth behind, you know, what is the mother goddess? What is the goddess of the earth? What is the goddess of this realm? And, and, and who's really in charge here? What's really going on with this whole reality? Now, I do recommend for this lecture that you take some notes uh, because I will be sharing some terminology that you may not be familiar with. Um, or, you know, th this is stuff that we haven't talked about before. This is stuff that's quite advanced. There is information here that you want to study and contemplate. And really what I want you to do from this lecture is just really take in this information. I'm going to be sharing with you a completely new type of theory, a completely new type of paradigm of reality. So we've been taught and told in our life and in our school and systems and in our religious systems how the world has been created, how we were uh, formed as human beings. And there's all kinds of theories and ideas, but really we need to come and see it from a, a grander perspective because we've been told by certain individuals how the world has been created. We've been told what the world is and who's in charge and who the God is and who the deity is and who you're supposed to worship. And really when you actually investigate and you go a little bit deeper into the truth, you find that it's not as simple or black and white as you thought, and that there's a, actually a few different types of scenarios going on. So let's go ahead and get started. I want to show you this picture of Sophia here, um, and this is quite an incredible picture. And, you know, the, the, the mystery goddess or the wisdom goddess, the goddess of wisdom, first of all, we need to understand the word philosophy. The word philosophy is actually the word lover of Sophia. So philosophy is a study where people are contemplating existence, contemplating the nature of reality. Uh, philosophers and, and people that were great thinkers or great mystics would think about reality. So, of course, you have Plato, Socrates, you have, you know, Confucius, you have the Chinese philosophers, you have the Buddhists, you have the, the uh, Tibetans, you have the Egyptians, you have all these ancient people. You even have the Gnostic Magians, which is what we'll talk about today. You have so many people that have contemplated existence and contemplated the nature of reality. Well, when we actually look and see what the word philosophy means, it means to be a lover of wisdom or a lover of Sophia. And this is attributed to be the same thing. So there's actually what we have, something called an aeon in this conversation. I need to bring the understanding of what an aeon is. An aeon is going to be a overarching power. So we have a power here, as you can see on the left side. Uh, this is an aeon. This is actually, it looks like this is a, this is a depiction of Sophia or Tiamat um, when she was, when she received a strike perhaps from Indura, okay? Indura being Enlil. So we'll talk about that whole narrative. We've talked about that before. There's a very famous type of depiction. If you ever look into the Anunnaki, Sumerian, Akkadian mythos, you'll see the first thing that comes up is Tiamat being slayed by Marduk, okay? Tiamat being slayed by Marduk, that's the first thing that they'll put in your face. And that's saying, you know, once Marduk had slayed Tiamat, he had taken her belly and taken her body, which is the actual uh, earth and water serpent. So you're talking about a primordial energy. This energy, the Tiamat energy is the, energy that was resurfaced and reused 
by these quote-unquote gods, the Sumerian gods, to restructure the world and then build their world. And this is how you get the whole narrative of the Anunnaki coming down and creating the spaceport, Erdu, and then seeding the first people and uh, you know, creating civilizations and then Mesopotamia and Sumeria and Babylon and Akkadia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we already know this story. But what you don't know is you don't know the fallen goddess scenario story. So you, what we don't know is what we haven't been told is the actual version of Sophia herself and what she experienced. Well, Sophia or the Sophianic intelligence is basically the very embodiment of the earth herself, the very force of nature herself. So there is a force that we are communicating as mystical practitioners, as spiritual beings. If you have ever been in nature and you felt this sense of wonder or the sense of aliveness or the sense of beauty, this is your, you are sensing the energy of Sophia. When you observe things working in harmony and in balance, that is also her energy. When you see the natural sereneness, the aliveness, you know, some may say, well, oh, well, nature is violent. You know, there's, there's death and there's decay. There's animals eating each other. This is very true. And we're going to talk about why that is. But if you look at nature and then you compare it to, I don't know, something like technology or like a city. Most people are going to find, most, most normal people are going to find the natural beauty to be more appealing than uh, like a cityscape. And that's not to say that the cityscape isn't attractive or appealing in its own regard, but it's certainly nothing compared to a natural waterfall or natural jungle or natural prairie, some open field, something that shows this, this beauty. So there's a huge difference between the Archon builders and then the natural builder or her natural building uh, capabilities, her natural reality. So you have an aeon, essentially, and this is going to be, you know, we are going to be talking about uh, this individual here. So this is John Lamb Lash's work. Um, and this is, well, the book was here somewhere. Um, John Lamb Lash's work, he, he's one of the, the individuals that brings forth the fallen goddess scenario. So we do have to credit him for his work. And this is this book is is stored in the esoteric library section, so you can actually learn about the sacred ecology, the Gnostic vision, the um, the understanding of the Sophionic intelligence, and what this means for your life. Because it's really about you know how can we take this this mystery school gnosis and then understand this is actually a part of our own existence in this day and age. So this is something that a lot of people are not contemplating. And another thing that I see is that there's so much push between the Mesopotamian, Akkadian, Assyrian writings, okay, the Sumerian tablets, which are true in their own regard. However, again, we're only getting the alien savior gods uh, perspective on things. And this is where you create cults and religions and uh, entire doctrines instead of looking at a, a, a broader picture. So instead of just getting the information from the ETs or the Sumerians, or the Sumerian gods and goddesses, we need to look at the aeons. And the aeons are basically these large mystical energetic reservoirs, these forces of primordial mystical energy or spiritual energy or cosmic energy. And when we're talking about cosmic energy, we're talking about energy that's beyond the electromagnetic spectrum beyond the ultraviolet, infrared, x-ray, gamma. I mean, we're talking about 
frequencies that we can't necessarily comprehend as humans. Now we have small little devices and small perspectives, like we have the electromagnetic spectrum, which can show us certain things, but there's all kinds of particles and frequencies like, like tachyons, gravitons, neutrinos, you know, these kinds of things, we don't have any sort of uh, devices to measure this kind of stuff. And of course, there's all kinds of forces that are not being measured by these technologies. So we have to understand that our, our perspective of energy mechanics is so limited as human beings. So let me just start off with that part there. And then let me bring this next part into the conversation, which is the aeons. So I'm going to start off way in the beginning because we need to make sure that we really uh, explain all of these concepts here. The fallen goddess scenario begins with the aeons. And aeons are basically orders of spirits, magnitudes of spiritual energies and fields, and also the sentient divine presences gendered whom create worlds, germinate new species, and evolve planetary intelligence experiments from within the pleroma, okay? And acting within the karoma and the realms of finite possibility. So the first, the first definition that you want to understand, as I talked about, are the aeons, okay? These are orders of spirits. These are grand, grand, grand spirits. So when we're talking about a spirit, I'm not talking about the spirits that we have in this reality. In this reality, you could think of a spirit as like a ghost or like an entity or like an animal spirit or even an incarnated spirit, like so like a human being or an animal, okay? Those are small, small spirits. Or those are those are microcosmic uh, spirits. We're talking about an aeon being an entire force. So Gaia in herself is an entire aeon. She is known as Sophia. And then in this physical realm, we call her the earth. We call her Gaia. We call her the mother, uh, mother nature. We call her uh, Bhavani. There's so many different words. Shakti is another word, okay? Shakti would also be that energy, that creative energy that people call Kundalini awakening or, or you know, the energy rising from your base of your spine and then illuminating up your spine into your pineal gland. So when people reach mystical states of consciousness or enlightenment, it's because they have activated the goddess within, the god within, the shakti within, the energy within. So let's go back to a couple of these words here. So the main job and purpose of an aeon is to generate new worlds, is to create new worlds, is to germinate new species, is to evolve planetary intelligence experiments. To them, realities and and our our species and species such as ours human species which is known as the anthropods which we'll talk about the m42 anthropods from the orion uh nebula okay so that's a very specific strain it's like it's like if you're growing a strain of uh basil or if you're growing a strain of any sort of plant actually you're gonna know you're gonna have a very specific strain so similarly in the sophionic mythos according to uh, the Nag Hammadi scriptures and uh, what John Lemlash has decoded, as well as many other Gnostic Magians, which dates back to about 6,000 BCE. So we're talking about almost 8,000 years ago. The, the species that is inhabiting planet Earth right now is a race of anthropods known as M42 from the Orion Nebula. Okay, this is according to the, uh, the information that is being given. So this does make sense to me intuitively because 
when we talk about Orion, Orion would be lined up right with the pyramids. And of course, we have the pyramids symbolizing the simulacrum. Okay, so I'm going I'm to break it down. This will all make sense once you kind of put all the pieces together. Okay, so the aeons, as we talked about, are these large spirits, these, these overarching spirits. Now, the two aeons that we will talk about today are Sophia and uh, Philippe. And we will actually talk about a third aeon, which is Christos. So you have the aeon Sophia, you have the aeon Philippe, and you have the aeon Christos. And the aeon Sophia, as we talked about, what does the word Sophia mean? We've already established this. Aeon Sophia would mean the aeon of wisdom. So she represents wisdom. She's the force of wisdom. She's the, she's the very force. So, so if somebody is embodying the aeon Sophia, they would be an outpouring of wisdom. The second aeon is Thalit. And Aeon Thalit would be the aeon of ancient. And Thalit, aeon of intention, would be the, the masculine counterpart to the div, uh, divine feminine, which is Sophia. So one of the things that was established with aeons is they exist somewhere which is known as the Pleroma. And the Pleroma is not where we are. We are inside of what is known as the Dema. Or the, uh, or the Karoma. And the Karoma is a realm of finite possibility. It is the material. It is the physical. The Dema means actually, uh, I believe it means dense energy matter activated. Okay? So densely energy matterly activated. So it's, it's an abbreviation for that. And the Dema or the uh, Karoma is the material universe. Aeons have the ability to directly influence any species as they have free will. So you're talking about divine beings that can choose whether or not they want to experiment. So they can, you know, they set up the experiment and there's nobody actually saying that they have to stick with their laws. They have laws and rules and ideas and, and conceptualizations. They want their species to basically grow and evolve themselves. However, one of the problems that Sophia was starting to notice with her experiment the anthropods was that I believe she tried nine times. And this goes kind of in conjunction with the nine incarnations of Vishnu. Okay. So this is another story that is talked about. Well, she tried nine times to try to um, seed that the M42 Orion Nebula species of anthropods, which is basically what we know as human beings today. And there was a failure happening there was a there was a dying off process there was like a there was a process where the individuals weren't surviving so she noticed this now another thing i should mention is that time works very different between the pleroma and the karoma so what could be thousands and thousands or millions of years for for us would only be a few hours for them in the pleroma Time is of no consequence because beings live forever. They're, they're omnipresent. Another thing that was made clear is that Sophia is a young Aeon. She's very young. She's inexperienced. She didn't have the concept of avatar descent mastered, which means that she wasn't very skilled in being able to just take a form into her own creation and then start to save it. Most of the time when there was avatar descent, it happened in the forms of animals or people. 